Amen. Amen. Man, what great worship this morning. Amen. It was good. Good. Let me tell you, it's going to be good tonight. It's going to be even better tonight. We're going to have more of it. And so if you guys would make plans to come back tonight at 630, we've got a, a worship uh, concert that's uh, taking place, a night of worship. And uh, we'd love for you guys to be a part of that. There's going to be a couple other churches that will be involved. So it's going to be incredible. And uh, to, just celebrating God's faithfulness. He is faithful. And uh, today, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about faith. We're taking a break from uh, our current series, uh, Instructions Included. And uh, we've got a guest speaker today. And uh, this guy, I remember about a little over 15 years ago, I had a friend of mine that said, Hey, listen, uh, you know, I know you feel like God's leading you out to plant a church. He said, I want you to go meet with this guy. And he told me who it was. And I said, Man, I said, I don't, I don't even know, you know, if he'd want to meet with me. And he said, Well, uh, he goes, I'll, I'll check. And, and anyway, so I ended up setting up an appointment. And I went and I sat down with this guy named Gordon Godfrey. And uh, he's a pastor there in Pensacola area. And so Laurie and I, you know, we were doing everything we could to raise support to plant a church. I sat down with him and I kind of cast the vision of Journey Church. And he said, Mike, he said, I believe in you. He said, I believe in that vision. He said, I'm going to meet with my leadership and I'll let you know something in about two weeks. And I'm thinking, okay. And to be honest with you, I, w- I didn't have great faith at that moment. Uh, so I'm thinking, okay, whatever. You know, so two weeks to the day, he called me. I was driving down the road. He said, hey, listen. He said, I met with my leadership last night. And uh, he said, uh, some of those guys know you. They believe in you. He said, Hey, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to do five thousand dollars startup money. He said at the end of the year we're going to do another five thousand dollars. So and I pulled over the side of the road, just praised God and wept. And I was like, you know, God, you can do the impossible. And so, uh, so if you guys would, I want you to give us a, a warm welcome, warm journey welcome to someone who has invested in journey and has believed in us from the beginning, Pastor Gordon Godfrey. Thank you, Mike. Love you, brother. Thank you, love you, brother. All right. Well, it is my privilege to be here at Journey Church. I've been before. I've spoken to several of the men at a men's meeting before. I came here back when you all were in Millbrook meeting in the YMCA. And so, yeah, woo! <laughs> it's changed a lot since the YMCA days. And uh, I knew it was going to because I believe in Brother Mike and uh, Miss Lori and their vision of what God's going to do here uh, in this area in Prattville and the surrounding area. And it's just amazing how he has brought you from where you started with just a few people to now. I mean, the first service was nearly full this morning, and this is a great service here as well. I mean, right in the middle of the summer. This is awesome, Mike. Congratulations. You're doing a great job. Let's thank Brother Mike, Miss Lori, for what they do here as pastors at Journey Church. And uh, I'm just privileged to be here. I grew up in, in Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, know a lot about this area so glad to have my favorite aunt and uncle here today. They're right back here, and uh, Walter and Cheryl Kelly, and they live over there in Montgomery, and they're here today just visiting. Come up and support me. Glad to have you all here today as well. Well, I hope you'll take out your outline. I want you to follow along with me and fill in the blanks. The title of my talk this morning is Have Faith in God. Have Faith in God. God. I want you to stand with me because I want you to concentrate on the verse that we're going to read together. I want you to get it in your mind. I want you to get it in your heart. It's the foundation for, this, for the message, and we'll come back and draw some truths from it in just a moment. But I want you to say with me this verse. It's Luke 1, verse number 37. Already said out loud, with God nothing shall be impossible. Pretty good. Let's do it one more time. With God, nothing shall be impossible. 
Father, I pray that you'd take this verse, that you'd drill down deep into the hearts of these people, plant this verse in their hearts. May that verse grow, and then as they leave out of here in just a few minutes, may they face this afternoon and tomorrow and the rest of their lives believing that they can have faith in you because nothing is impossible with God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. My wife and I graduated from college in 1979. And uh, we graduated from the same college. She got a degree in education. I got my degree in theology. And we got called to our first ministry station. Now, for someone raised in Montgomery, Alabama... To get called to Panama City, Florida. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, it's awesome. I mean, we went there every year on vacation. My family, that's where we went for vacation every year. I'd go down, I'd get on the pier, I'd stay on the pier for a week out there just fishing all week long. We'd be down on the beach. I mean, every year we went to Panama City, Florida. That was our vacation. So now, here I am being called to my first ministry place and it's Panama City, Florida. I thought this is going to be like a ministry vacation. Little did I know what it was actually going to be like that first year in ministry. They put me in the Christian school. They had a big Christian school in the church that I went to. They put me in the Christian school. Get this now. Some of you teachers will really appreciate this. I taught seventh grade geography, eighth grade American history, ninth grade civics, 10th grade world history, 11th grade American history. I was the head baseball coach. I was the assistant football coach. They didn't ask me to do anything with basketball. I don't really understand why, but there was no basketball involved in my life. And then I was the, uh, I was in charge of visitation for the church. I visited all the time for the church. And so that was my first year in ministry. At the end of that first year, I went to the pastor and I said, Hey, pastor. Ah, this teaching school, I don't really think it's for me. He said, Gordon, we were thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) He said, how would you like to be the youth pastor? Yes, sir, I can do that. Make me the youth pastor. So maybe the youth pastor. That first year, my wife and I made $127 a week. I mean, we were rolling in the dough. It was tough. Now, I love to fish and hunt this this week. As a matter of fact, next two weeks, I'm going to be staying up in Lake Martin. And I'm hoping the stripers are biting. I hope those, uh, uh, those spotted bass are biting because I'm going to try to catch some fish this week. I've loved to fish all my life. And when I lived in Panama City, I used to fish a lot, but I fished out of necessity. <laughs> I used to go catch fish and go door to door selling these fish. And I used to get up early in the morning before work and I'd go throw my cast net and I'd catch mullet. Now, I know people up here in Montgomery think, mullet, y'all ate mullet down there. Oh. Yeah, we used to eat a lot of mullet. And everybody loved mullet. So I'd go catch a bunch of mullet, and I'd ice them down. And then when school was over, I'd go get that bucket of mullet, a couple bucks of mullet, and I'd go door to door, knock on the door. Would you like to buy some fish? How much are they? Quarter a piece or three for a dollar? <laughs> well, give me a dollar's worth. Okay, here's your three then. <laughs> You have to forgive me. I used to sell cars too, okay? I was a used car salesman too. And I was selling these fish really to make it. We had, now, you know, we've been there a year and God gave us a beautiful little girl. And I mean, so late one afternoon, my wife said, listen, times are tough. She said, there's only two bottles of formula left. 
she said, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know? So I wanted to be the man of faith, you know. So I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get on our knees and we're going to pray. So we got up, we dropped down beside the bed. And uh, I said, dear God, I need you to provide for us. I need $100 and I need it right away. Amen. We got up. She said, what are you going to do now? <laughs> I said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> so I went and got my rod. I went out to the pier in, uh, in Panama City. Went out on the pier and, and uh, King Mackerel were running. Well, I was there fishing. The guy on the left of me was catching king mackerel. The guy on the right of me was catching king mackerel. I wasn't catching anything. I was throwing the same bait, throwing the same place they were throwing. I wasn't catching anything. All afternoon, I didn't catch one fish. They were catching them all over the pier. I thought, what is going on here? Come on, God, I prayed, you know. So got home. I told my wife, I said, listen, i got to go on visitation in the morning. I'll go back out tomorrow afternoon. I'll catch some fish, and we'll, we'll get this taken care of. So that next morning, a guy called me. His name was Alan Nixon. And he said, hey, what you doing? I said, I'm fixing to go out and make some visits for the church. And he said, well, can I go with you? I said, sure. He said, well, in fact, I'll drive. I said, ooh, that's even better. <laughs> Use your gas and not mine, you know. So we, he came by and he picked me up. We went out and we visited all morning. And then it was time to go to, to, go to the house about midday. And he said, don't say anything. What are you talking about? He said, just don't say anything. I said, okay, I won't say anything. So he turned down on Highway 77 there, and, and instead of going towards my house, he just turned into a grocery store. I said, what's going on? He said, don't say anything. I said, all right. He said, I want you to get a buggy and go through this store, and he said, I want you to put anything in that buggy you want, all you want. I said, can I buy some Cornish hens? <laughs> he said, I love those little Cornish hens, those little chickens. I love those little things. I said, can I have those Cornish He said, anything you want, get them. I said, all right. So we went in there. I got my buggy. First aisle I went to was the formula aisle. You know that. I went straight to that formula aisle. And boy, I piled the bottom part of that, of that buggy full of, uh, of formula, baby formula. Then I went over and I got some diapers, you know. Then I went over to the Cornish hens. <laughs> got me some Cornish hens and got all kind of stuff. And I mean, I was piling up. I'm thinking, dear God, I hope he's got money. Oh, I hope he's got money because I'm going to be in trouble if we don't. And I piled that thing up high and we went down to the front to the counter. We pulled up in there and he said, just Add it up, I'll pay it. She started adding it up. $97 in groceries. you got to understand, that was back in the dark ages, y'all. That's a long time ago. That's back when I was young. You know, that was a long time ago. $97 was a lot. Of, now it'll just buy you, a, you know, a loaf of bread and a carton of milk, you know. But it used to buy a lot of good stuff. And so we fill that thing, $97. Man, I'm getting happy. I can't wait to get home and tell my wife, God has answered our we got to the house, and I ran inside, and I said, let me, let me go in and tell Jude. i got to tell Jude. And I said, just come on inside. Start bringing the groceries. So he came in. We, we had it upstairs, and so I went upstairs. I said, you've got to come see this. You're not going to believe this. She said, what are you talking about? I said, come down here. you got to see it. She came down there, and she saw all these groceries. She started crying. I started crying. Alan Nixon started crying. We was all crying, you know, and we putting the groceries away and everything. And I said, Alan, you just don't know. I said, we prayed last night. That God, you, you answered a prayer. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. He said, oh, I'm glad to do it. He left, and we crying and hugging, you know, after he left. And I said, well, let's put some of this stuff away. So I opened the refrigerator. Right on the center shelf of the refrigerator was a rolled-up wad of cold cash. It was in the refrigerator, so it was cold. <laughs> they didn't get it in the first service either. So anyway, don't worry about it. <laughs> It was a wad of cold cash with a rubber band around it. I said, well, do you see what I, yeah. 
I took it out, started counting. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 dollars exactly. Not only did God give us 97 dollars in groceries, but He said to be sure that you can understand that you can always have faith in Me. I'm going to give you exactly 100 dollars in cash. And I learned that day early in my ministry to have faith in God. It's more important to have faith in God than it is in fishing. <laughs> Sometimes the fish don't bite. But God always knows. I want you to spring forward 12 years. 1991. My wife and I had been asked to come preach in a little bitty church in Pensacola, Florida. 90 miles from Panama City. They had splint and splintered this church. Made everybody mad. They had about 60-something people left. They asked me to come and preach in view of being the pastor of that church. I said, whoa, no, no. We had a big church where we were, happy church, just glad to be where we were, good ministry. No, I'm not looking for a church. But I preached. They voted. I had 35 people that voted. <laughs> Got 97% vote. Wow, what a miracle. Get 97% out of 35 people. That means one family didn't want me, Mike. <laughs> so I had a decision to make. We didn't know what to do. Man, we had a lot of friends, great ministry in Panama City. Everything was good. So I had to think about this and pray about this. I'll never forget. I wrote this down in some notes that I've got at the house. God woke me up at 1.35 in the morning. When, he, when I woke up, I looked at the clock. It said 1.35. God said, have faith in me. All right. Went back to sleep. God woke me up at 2.35. Same thing. Have faith in me. Went back to sleep. This time I got two hours. He woke me up at 4.35. I looked at the clock. 4.35. Something going on with this 35 right here. God woke me up. Have faith in me. And then at 6.35, he woke me up. He said, have faith in me. And this time the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go read Luke one thirty-seven. I read that verse. God said, with me, there's nothing that is impossible. We made the decision to go to Pensacola, Florida. Friends, that was 28 years ago. In those 28 years, listen to this. My executive pastor gave me some numbers this week. In 28 years, we've seen over 20. 4, Let me get the exact number and make sure I don't tell you the lie. Make sure I tell you the exact truth. We've had over 20, it's 23,494 people that have been saved in 28 years. We've had over 94 additions, people that have joined our church in 28 years. What does God say? He says, you have faith in me. I will do what I say I will do. Now, I want you to think about that verse, Luke one thirty-seven, and I want you to write down two things. Number one, first of all, I want you to write down the place of faith. So in your outline, the place of faith. 
The Bible says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God. The place of faith is in God. You see, you can't have your faith in anything or anyone or any place other than God. God is the one that deserves faith. God is the one that you can put your faith in. The place of faith is God. The, the place of faith is not a church. It's an awesome church. It's incredible what God has done here in this church. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't put your faith in a church. Churches sometimes change or disappoint or don't do right. You can't even put your faith in a pastor. Now, Mike is a great pastor. He and Lori have done unbelievably here. Got integrity, work ethic. It's all great. But I'm going to tell you something. Any pastor can disappoint a church. Any pastor can mess up and say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. My point is this. You can't put your faith in a church. You can't put your faith in a, in a man. You can't put your faith in any place or anyone other than God Almighty. And today I'm encouraging you to have faith in God. Have faith in God. I mean, I could go through the whole Bible and you would, you could read people that have had to have faith in God and God took care of them and did what He said He would do for them. I mean, you could ask Moses or you could ask David or you could, you, you, you could ask Elijah. You could ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on with people in the Word of God that God did for them what He said He would do because they placed their faith in Him. So this morning, I want to encourage you to have faith in God. Now, there may be somebody here today that has not yet taken the initial step of faith, which is the step of salvation. The salvation step of faith. This morning in the first service, there were four people that raised their hand and said they were trusting Jesus for the first time into their heart. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Yeah. How, now, how about you? Have you taken that initial step? I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about doing anything religious. I'm not talking about living a good life or keeping the Ten Commandments. None of that stuff. I'm talking about saying, I'm putting my faith in you, God, as my one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. Not long ago, we had a, a guy in our church that was out hunting. My, my church is filled with hunters and fishermen. I got, all, I got a bunch of them. And this guy was out hunting. He's out hunting in the woods, and he comes out of the woods, and a big old game warden steps out from behind a tree. Now, if you like to hunt, and when a game warden steps out and confronts you, it doesn't matter if you do anything wrong or not. You get nervous. You know, you just get nervous. What have I done? Oh, no, what have I done? Is the plug in my gun? You know, have I got to own somebody else's property? You just get nervous. Well, this game warden stepped out, and he said, Sir, I need to talk to you about something. I want you to put down your weapon. And so my church member, Buddy, he dropped his weapon. And the game warden started to interrogate him, asking questions about what he was doing. Well, the guy had not done anything wrong. The game warden said, sir, I need to see your identification. He got his identification. He looked at it and he said, well, is this your? Yeah. He said, I'm sorry, sir. I, 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 we got the wrong guy here. 
Sir, we're sorry that we harassed you. We bothered you. We got the wrong guy. He said, what can we do to make it up to you? I'm sorry. And my, 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 my church member said, well, would you come to church with me next Sunday? <laughs> we love to get game wardens saved, get them all saved. <laughs> and so the guy, he, and so he invites him to church. Well, the next Sunday, the next Sunday the guy shows up, the game warden shows up. And my buddy brings me over and introduces me to him. I mean, I said, man, this guy's something. He's a big, tall guy. He was probably 5'7 or 5'8. I mean, he was a giant of a man. He was huge. I looked up at him. No, he really he was about 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, big old guy. And, uh, and so we talked, you know, and he said, I'm sorry I arrested you. We're going to arrest your member in Austin. I said, that's all right. I'm glad you came to church. Well, he came to church five Sundays in a row. Brought his wife. Brought his son with him. They came to church. It's incredible. On the fifth Sunday, after the close of the fifth Sunday, the, this game warden said to me, Hey, could I see you in your office on Wednesday night? I thought, uh-oh, he's been staking me out. I don't know what, what is he, you know. Yes, sir, I said, be glad to see you. So after church that night, Wednesday night, I met him in my office. He brought his wife. He put his son into the student center. And we have a student ministry on Wednesday night that meets. And, and so we started talking. I said, what can I do for you? He said, I need help. He said, my life's all messed up. I said, you need God, don't you? He said, yeah, yes, sir, I really do. I said, you need to get saved, don't you? He said, yes, sir, that's why I'm here. I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I want you to get on your knees. I want you to ask God into your heart tonight. He dropped down on his knees. Big old guy. His little wife, she's about 5'2". <laughs> she dropped down beside him. She put her arm over his shoulder. I said, just... Start praying, telling God you want him to say. He started, man, he started telling everything. <laughs> you know, I don't need to hear all that. You know, just, he started telling all, just confessing his sins. And I mean, he, got, he was emptying out. And God, I want you to save me. I'm putting my faith absolutely, totally in you. And that night in my office, he trusted Christ as a Savior. He got radically saved. Him and his wife, we walked down the steps and we went over and his, got down to where the student center was. They were finishing up. His 15-year-old son comes running out of the student center, runs up and grabs his daddy and starts hugging. He said, Daddy, 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 I got saved tonight. I got saved tonight. His son got saved. The game warden got saved. His wife got right with God. And they haven't missed church since. In fact, he's one of our greeters now at the front door. They've been there, they're there every single Sunday. Here's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying the place of faith is with God. And when you put your faith in God Almighty, He can radically change your life, your marriage, your finances, your business, problems with your kids, you have to put your faith in God. It's with God. Number two, write this down. The purpose of faith. The Bible says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. So the purpose of our faith is to move into action. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Here's what, here's what the verse is saying. The verse is saying that you may not be able to see God with your physical eye, but you see the result of what God does, 
Therefore, you can put your faith in him because you know that he will do what he says he will do because you can see the result of what he has done in many, many lives. I'm looking into the faces of hundreds of people here this morning whose lives have been radically changed and transformed. You are a testimony of the power of God, of the evidence of what God can do in somebody's life if they will trust in him. Your evidence. And we know we got, we got electricity running through these walls. We don't see the electricity, but what do we see? We see the lights come on. We see the, the, the instruments and all that are plugged in. We see the result of the electricity. And what I'm saying to you is, you may not always understand God. You may not always see what He's doing. But the Bible says that you should put your faith into action... You should move with what God is asking you to do or telling you to do. And if you will move into action, then God on your behalf will do the impossible. Or God will do on your behalf what He can do and wants to do in your life. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. For some of you, you've been so worried about starting to give. You've been saved now for a little while and you know that you ought to be tithing to the church. You know you ought to be giving, but you're scared to death to do it. How am I going to be able to make ends meet if I give to the church? If I give a tithe, how is that going to work? The Bible says with God, nothing shall be impossible. You've got to say, okay, God, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to move into action and trust you by faith. It's the same thing with your marriage. It's the same thing with your children that are... That are away. It's the same thing with your. It's the same thing with your ministry. It's the same thing. You have to say, "Okay, God, I'm going to trust you," and then I'm going to move into action and do what you're asking me to do, believing that you're going to work it out. Now, I'm going to give you four laws of faith. Write these down. I'm not going to preach them. I'm just going to give them to you. Don't get nervous. Some of you thinking you. The Methodists are going to beat you to the restaurant today. They're not going to beat you to the restaurant today. Okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> are you ready? Let's write them down. The trust law. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You've got to decide where you're going to put your trust. Is it in your paycheck or is it in God? Is it in your boss or is it in God? Is it in your husband or your wife or is it in God? The trust law. What do you trust? Number two. The expectancy law. The expectancy law. Jesus told the disciples, or excuse me, I should say, Jesus said, I want you to believe when you knock. Matthew 7, 7, when you knock and believe, I will hear and answer your prayer. Now, here's what I mean by that. If you're going to have faith in God, you've got to expect that He's going to keep up His end of the deal. Right? You expect Him to do what He says He will do. And God said, knock, ask, and receive. Believe and receive. So you've got to believe. You've got to say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm not believing in myself, I'm believing in you, and I'm expecting you to do, and you'll just live different. (laughs) 
It'll change your, it'll change your whole life outlook when you expect God to do what He says He will do. And you, by faith, are expecting it. Number three, write it down. Obedience law. The obedience law. In the obedience law, you have to be willing to obey God. How can you expect God to do for you what needs to be done if you're not willing to obey Him? You've got to say yes to God. I, I'm obedient to Him. You remember the story. John 21, they were, the disciples were out fishing. And Jesus said to them, cast your nail on the other side. Why did he say that? Because they'd been fishing all night and they'd caught anything. And, and he, they said, Lord, we've been, we ain't caught a thing. We've been fishing all night. He said, we well, fished on the wrong side of the boat. I love to snapper fish. I don't know if any of you guys come to the coast or ladies, you come to the coast and you like to go snapper fishing. I take guys out snapper fishing all the time. And a lot of times I'll be over here catching them. I've been doing it a long time. I know how to catch a snapper. And I'll be catching a snapper. And the guys on this side of the boat, they won't be catching anything. And they'll say, Pastor, what is the deal? You're catching all the fish. I said, well, you're on the wrong side of the boat. You fish on the wrong side of the boat. They said, I ain't on that side. I said, well, okay, keep fishing over if you want. I'm going to keep catching fish. And I'm over here catching fish before long. I'll notice they'll be sneaking over there, you know, over on my side of the boat. <laughs> they'll be over there catching, catching snapper too. Jesus said, you've been casting your net on the wrong side of the boat. He said, cast on the other side. What is that about? It's about obedience. They had to do something that they didn't really know why. They just did it. And so they cast their net on the other side. And the Bible says they caught so many fish, they had to get on the VHF radio and call their partners over there to help them, right? They said, we're at GPS such and such number. You need to come over here and help us. And they had so many fish in the net that it took other disciples to help them get the fish in the boat and get it to shore. And it all happened because they were obedient to God. They didn't understand it. What difference did it make if they cast their net on this side or that side? Listen, you've got to get to the point where you say, God, okay, if you want me to cast my net on this side, that's what I'll do. You've got, you need to obey. Now, just for a second, think about this. Some of you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and you haven't yet taken the first step of obedience, which is baptism. Baptism. And we'll give you the opportunity to talk to someone about that. You can talk to Brother Mike. You can talk to some of the people here on staff about what it means to be baptized. But that is a first step of obedience. You say to the Lord, thank you for saving me. I want to follow you in obedience. What do I do? Follow me in believer's baptism by immersion. It's a step of obedience. Sometimes it's not easy to do that. Step out in front of people. But it's the right thing to do. So you've got to trust. You've got to expect. You've got to obey. Number four, write it down. It's the gratitude law. It's the gratitude law. Colossians says, in everything, be thankful. In other words, whatever life brings, you've got to trust God to the point to where you can say, God, I trust God. You, and I'm thankful for where I am in my life and where you're going to take me. It will change your attitude. It'll change your outlook on life when you say, God, in everything I'm going to be thankful. Good, bad, or indifferent. And if you think about it, with your life and my life, with God, everything's good. <laughs> you know? 
If you think about that, with God, everything that happens in our life is good. It's all for a purpose. Therefore, God wants us to be thankful for everything. And when we are thankful for everything, then we are trusting. We're showing our trust in Him. And our expectancy that He's going to bring us through. And our obedience to do whatever it is that He wants us to do. You can have faith in God. Now, I want you to write this down. Hang with me now. Some of y'all wrapping up already. I know y'all, I get to the last point and y'all start wrapping up. I know, I've seen some of you putting your Bibles away. You start getting here, checking the restaurant, see what time we're going to be there. And all. I know how that works. Y'all are just like my church. Y'all just the same. I always tell my church, hang on, I may throw another point at you. Don't be packing up your bags yet. All right, here, I want you to write this down. Take out your outline and write, write this down. Remember, God woke me up at what time? 135 and said, have faith in me. 235, he said, what? Have faith in me. What at 4.35, he said, have faith in me. At 6.35, he said, have faith in me. On that line at the bottom of your outline, I want you to write down 11.37. It is 11.37 a.m. I want this to be your defining moment. I want this to be the time in your life when you say, I'm Going to have faith in God. Have faith for my marriage to work out. Have faith that my kids will come back to God. Have faith that my business will work. Have faith that my church is going to grow and prosper. Have faith that my life is going to be what it should be. From right now, when you leave this room, you're you're marking it down at 1137. I'm going to have faith in God. Imagine what will happen in this church if you'll have faith in God. Imagine the influence in this community Journey Church could have if you had faith in God. Would you bow your heads, please? I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. A moment ago when I was talking about that game warden that came and got saved, some of you were thinking, boy, that needs to be me. That ought to be me. Some of you were thinking when I said the first step you need to take is salvation. That's a faith step. You were thinking, yeah, I need to do that. I've never done it. Maybe you've joined a church or maybe you've been trying your best to be religious. Maybe you're a good guy. You're a moral man or a moral woman. But you know you've just never really said yes to Jesus. But today would be your day. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you pray this prayer in your heart. You're not praying to the preacher. You're praying to God Almighty. It's a prayer of faith. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer and mean it with all your heart and ask Christ into your heart. Now, listen, you don't have to pray it out loud. God hears perfectly well. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray this prayer. Are you ready? Here we go. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. Please come into my heart. I turn to you from my sin. I receive you today as my personal Savior. Change me. Today my faith is placed in you. Please, God, take me to heaven when I die. In Jesus' name. Nobody looking, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. 
you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I'm not ashamed. I meant it. I really did. I meant it. Would you just put your hand up high enough for me to see it? Just hold, hold it up high where I can see it and recognize it. There's a hand right there. Yes, ma'am. There's one hand. Somebody, there's two hands. Another hand right over there. Somebody else. Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I've seen two hands. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. There's another hand right there. There's three hands. There's another hand over here. There's four hands. There's a, God bless you, sir. God bless you. It means the world to me. God bless you, young lady. That's awesome. That's five or six hands. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, I, I meant it. I don't, yes, ma'am, you can put your hand down. I don't understand everything about you. You don't have to understand. You just, by faith, they're saying, God, I trust you today as my Savior. Anybody else? Put it up high enough for me to see it. You haven't raised it yet. Yes, sir, God. Yes, sir, young man. God bless your heart, buddy boy. That's wonderful. Yes, down here, I see your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Yes, sir, today I'm praying that prayer and I meant it. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Thank you so much on the back. That's awesome. Man, that's wonderful. That's 10 or 11 hands that have been raised. Anybody else? Young person, senior adult, it doesn't matter. Young couple, anybody else? Wow. So awesome. Now, here's what we're going to do. Just a moment. Someone's going to come and they're going to dismiss you. Listen, this is not the end. It's just the beginning. I want you to check on your connection card. I got saved today. And then... At the end of the service, the pastor, some of his folks are going to be in the VIP room right back in the back. Friend, listen to me. If you'll go back there, they're going to give you a Bible. They're going to give you some information. You say, well, pastor, I've been coming to this church for 10 years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been here. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's your first day here. It doesn't matter. Let them give you that Bible and let them help you. Now, I want to talk about one more thing, okay? I know some of you are struggling. The reason I know that is because we're all just people. Nobody here but us, right? We all struggle. You say, Pastor, i got something going on in my life right now. I need your prayers. Can I pray for you this morning? Can I help you with that? If you say, Pastor, that's me. Something specific going on. doesn't mean you're in sin or anything. It just means you've got something going on and you need a prayer. I want to pray for you. Anybody like that, put up your hand and say, and just hold it up long enough for me to see it. Hands all over the building. Just hold them up there for a second. Hold them up as a testimony. God, I need you. Father, you see all these hands, these people that need your touch. Dear God, I pray that you'd meet their needs. Father, I pray that you'd help them to deal with whatever they're going through. By faith, may they trust you this morning. Make a difference in their lives. May they see the difference. May they know the difference. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You've been a great audience. Thank you for listening to me today. God bless you. Have faith in God.